On this edition of Inside the Booth, we look at the next five games for the New York Red Bulls, which starts Sunday in Seattle. A difficult two-game road trip in the Great Northwest with the Sounders and the Timbers. We'll also look at a very tightly contested Eastern Conference race for playoff spots. Our second segment, we get a personal look at what was the 2001 MLS season. As we remember September 11th, hop inside the booth with Matt Harmon and Steve Jolly on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Red Bulls getting set to take on both Seattle and Portland that I'll say dreaded West Coast trip into two of the most difficult stadiums. My partner is Steve Jolly. I'm Matt Harmon. We welcome you into another edition of Inside the Booth here. It is our September edition. We'll spend some time looking at what's coming up for New York. We've also got a look at the most up-to-date standings in the Eastern Conference, the tight playoff race that exists. And in our second segment, we'll spend some time doing something a little bit different. Uh, Steve was obviously a longtime member of both the Metro Stars and the Red Bulls organization and was part of what was a crazy season back in 2001 with the anniversary of September 11th. But without uh, wasting any more time, I say a very good morning to my partner, Steve Jolly. Uh, didn't have a game partner last week, so you know I, I always feel like once I don't see you in, in a week, yeah. uh, we, we You're in spend, a dark place. A, spend a little bit of time to, to bond and connect. Yes, yes. Well, Matthew, it's good to speak with you again. I hope you had a nice... Uh, Labor Day weekend, I surely did. The weather was wonderful in Philadelphia. Um, that progressed to a wonderful weekend of my Eagles winning. So everything is just darn near perfect right now, uh, setting up for hopefully a positive and constructive September for my Red Bulls. Yeah, and uh, it's going to certainly be interesting when you look at it. There are five games remaining in the Red Bull uh, season and uh, in the regular season, I should say. And as you look at it right now, when we left this team on that dreaded Saturday over Labor Day weekend with a 2-0 loss to Colorado. They were in fifth place with other teams playing over the current international break. Right now, New York Steve is still in fifth place, so they have not obviously gained ground. They have not lost ground either, which probably for this team right now is a pretty good thing. It is, and uh, and I know we've talked about on the broadcast, one of the things I think was uh, at least a positive for us was the idea of having this break. Um, I felt like, uh, you know, personally that this team desperately needed to just get away from each other a little bit and really focus on what kind of opportunity they have, and opportunity being the operative word there going forward. You know, this is a team that, you know, obviously has been all over the place with a 12-12-5 and record. It's been up, it's been down, it's been consistently inconsistent. I guess a way of saying it. And uh, and I still think this team has a lot going for it as we kind of enter this important September. Um, you know, at, at my, my view is, and, and maybe, you know, I try to be optimistic with all this stuff, but uh, I'm also realistic with the idea that, you know, this team should be focusing on making sure that they get one of those home field advantages in the playoff. And uh, there's no reason why they you know shouldn't think that they can't succeed in that specific goal. Uh, but the luxury of September as you and I often often mention, is every single game counts, not only for us, but, you know, teams that are playing even tomorrow. I mean, think about that Toronto-NYC game. That um, is a that means, huge game. 
gigantic game, and you know, and obviously NYC is is looking to get that uh, that buy, and, and Toronto is is in really good form now, and, and trying to raise up themselves up uh, from that sixth spot. And uh, like I said, this is this is when it gets really fun for Major League Soccer. You know, it's crazy to think, right on on nine eleven. And, and as I just said, we'll spend some time talking about that 2001 season in our second segment since you were playing back then. At this point, with the rivalry that exists between New York City and the Red Bulls, I have to think that going into the NYCFC Toronto game, if you're a Red Bull fan, you find yourself in that unique position of saying, yeah. I've got a root for New York City. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, that's one that <laughs> it's tough to swallow, isn't it? But, uh, you know, it is, you know, when you look at the numbers and you look at, you know, what's happening in our playoff situation relative to D.C. United being a point ahead of us and Toronto being even with us, um, you know, that's that's a game that you're hoping that uh, NYC kind of carries the way. And, you know, if they get that by, then they get that by. But, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting one and one that I'm going to be watching, I'm sure. I will give you a lot of credit in this regard Toronto you said a couple of weeks going. ago keep it going I love was, when you start with that way this, go, this, go. Was a, this was a go. team to really watch out for uh and 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 to your credit they have really come alive I mean look at where they were even a couple of weeks ago to Too where they talent. are now yeah. um and, the, and listen their record's not great 11 10 and 8 but are they the idea of a team that could be peaking at the right time I completely agree with you um, and and I'll go on record and, uh, and you look at the history of these podcasts, I said that it was going to be Atlanta, NYC, and Philadelphia Union in that order with us holding tight for that fourth spot so that we get that home field advantage in the first round of the playoff. And I still believe that's going to be the case. Uh, Toronto, as you mentioned, is in great form. Uh, they de- absolutely destroyed uh, FC Cincy last game. And they're going into this knowing that, you know, they're trying – They've what they have currently like something like a four-point cushion on Montreal at the eighth spot. So they feel a little comfortable there, and they know that they can make a statement here against you know the team that's leading the Eastern Conference right now in NYC. So you know they're a dangerous threat. This is a team that I would not want to play in the first round of the playoffs. But I think the goal is, at least from my you know perspective, is you got to get in that top four spots. And it makes all the world of difference the way playoffs are in terms of just being one game and not being a home and away anymore. It just becomes an absolute priority. I think. It is very interesting, as uh, I have in front of me, the, the schedules of kind of all of the teams that are D.C. down to Montreal. So four through eight as it sits right now, including uh, the Red Bull schedule, which which we know and we can talk about. It's, it's certainly not easy, and we'll start on Sunday in Seattle. But I think for Toronto and Montreal, those are the two teams that, to me, are in the most unique positions, not even because of what they've got going on with Major League Soccer, Steve, but these teams have to play um, a two-leg championship to decide who's the best team in Canada, and it comes right at the end of the MLS season. So you can see Toronto, they've got five games remaining. New York City, Colorado, on the road in L.A., on the road in Chicago, back home for Columbus. But they've got to play Montreal twice to decide whether or not one of those teams ultimately will will qualify into the Champions League You've got a playoff push, and you've got a Canadian championship for both. Um, I'd be hard-pressed to say you've got to play, if you're Toronto, you've got to play seven games over the course of the next less than a month. Yeah, and it's, you know, and I'm looking at Montreal, and I say, you know, are they a team like uh, Colorado, who's, you know, undefeated since Robin Frazier took over with Wilma Cabrera? 
in that position? Does he look at this as an opportunity to really make some statements with the last four remaining games in terms of, you know, Major League Soccer? And, and albeit, you know, they've got Cincinnati and at L.A., but, uh, you know, that's one game in Cincinnati that they might feel like they can get some points there. And then uh, at L.A. is never easy. But, um, you know, it's just it's going to be a wild ride. And we haven't even talked about what the, the games, the Orlando versus um, New England game, where Orlando basically has, as they called it, what, four finals? Like every single game is desperate uh, in Orlando's situation. And then you got New England, you know, doing what they're doing. I mean, it's just going to be. It's going to be a wild ride, and it's no way. I refuse to believe it's going to end up the same way, uh, you know, straight from one to nine as it currently stands. Steve, I don't disagree with you at all. You, you look and, and you know that there's going to be changes up and down. Um, to go back to what you said, you had it Atlanta, New York City, Philadelphia, and we've always been talking about NYCFC, who for the longest time had all of those games in hand. Well, they've pulled even now with Atlanta. They do have 53 points. Atlanta, believe it or not, as well as they've been playing, they have slipped a little bit. It's 53 NYC, 51 Philadelphia, 48 Atlanta. Those top three, two of those teams, Philly and New York City, have already qualified qualified for a playoff spot and and we kind of said okay four through eight you threw in Orlando City who's not out of it technically Chicago's not out of it either uh, they've been playing better at- <laughs> you're, you're being nice you're being nice buddy well, they've been, I mean <laughs> they're listen they're, they're only five points out um, and and then you're you've right. got Columbus who's out and Cincinnati who's already been officially eliminated but but I'll say this if you are Greg Vanny or you now are Wilmer Cabrera who has taken over Montreal do you do you um, try and make sure that you win the Canadian Championship and hope that you qualify for the playoffs, or do you make sure you qualify for the playoffs and hope that you win the Canadian Championship? Because I think it is a dilemma for both of those teams. Uh, well, I mean, Greg and I have a long, long history, and I can assure you that there is not an either or or. Uh, rationale in his mind whatsoever right now. Um, he genuinely thinks with the lineup that they have um, that this is a team will that will not only win the Canadian Championship, but will continue to excel in the last five remaining matches. And uh, he's going to push his team to make sure that they get in that top four spots. Uh, I can assure you that is exactly what he's doing right now. Um, you look at their schedule and, and they have the big game at NYC, but they have a team in Colorado at home, which I think that, you know, they feel comfortable with. They do have to play at LAFC, but at Chicago and in, in Columbus, you know, they're looking at that and saying, you know what, why not, you know, win the next, you know, four out of the next five or three out of the next five and push ourselves up as much as possible. I, I, uh, w- Wilmer's a little bit different. Wilmer, I think, is going in with the situation sort of like Robin Frazier and saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to assess the talent on the field and then, you know, uh, and my staff and, and I'm going to hope for the best. And if I'm lucky enough to kind of focus on getting into the playoffs, great. But he might be in me more, you know what, let's just kind of let's hope for the best and put you know the lineup out there that wins a Canadian championship and anything can happen just so that he has that there on his resume. Well, yeah, because you think of it, right? If, if, if you're either one of those teams, the road to winning MLS Cup to qualify for Champions League is, is you would think, remarkably more difficult than just winning the Canadian Championship. So that's that's two of the teams. Let's go back on the Red Bull side of things and, and look at see uh, what our New York team has remaining. They've got Seattle, not easy to get points ever with the Sounders. Then you go to Portland, a team that's trying to battle 
and make sure that they lock in a spot. They are sixth right now uh, in the Western Conference. Seattle is second. Then you've got that really interesting two-game homestand with Philadelphia and D.C. United. Then you finish in Montreal. And I think after we last saw this team play uh, that Saturday over Labor Day weekend against Colorado, you and I both walked out with the idea of thinking the game against Montreal may determine two things. A home game, number one, uh, that would be best-case scenario. Worst-case scenario is you need three points to make sure that you get into the playoffs. I completely agree. Um, I also left that game, you know, and went straight home to Philadelphia and had the maybe a couple of drinks <laughs> trying <laughs> try, try to come to terms with that game because that one hurt uh, against Colorado. But um, we have uh, put ourselves in a difficult situation, at least in the next week, knowing that we've got to go at Seattle as they continue to kind of battle for, uh, you know, that second spot. And then at Portland, which, you know, right there at the sixth spot, tied with FC Dallas at, you know, at seven with LA Galaxy uh, at 42. I mean, that's going to be, you know, they're going to be fighting for their lives, their playoff lives there in Portland. And, uh, you know, it's going to, it's not going to be an easy one. You know, I think we got to collectively come together. And I know that at least for me, uh, why I think the break was important was the idea that, you know, we can kind of, it isn't one of those situations where you're playing, you know, one team middle of the year and then playing, you know, on a Saturday night and then Wednesday and how much prepared are you going to, prepared are you going to be? You know, these, this team has to be prepared for Seattle and Portland because of the inherent value of each and every point that is available there. Um, because, you know, the last thing you want to do is get to a situation where, you know, you got your two home games at Philly and D.C., and then you're going into, as you mentioned before, at Montreal, you know, last game of the season, uh, and hoping and praying that, uh, you know, that you don't need just the three points, that you can kind of fall into that four spot, even with, uh, you know, not the greatest of performances uh, over this five-game uh, run. You said something that uh, struck me earlier, and it was, the break for New York comes at a good time because maybe they just needed to get away from each other. In all of your years of playing, I'm sure you went through those kind of situations, and it's not necessarily a negative that sometimes you just need a break, uh, hit hit the pause button, hit the reset button, and go. Um, but, but when you do have this long break, so the team played on the 31st of August. They don't play again until the 15th of September. With the international break, with guys kind of coming and going, I was at training last week and we did a players-only podcast, and it is kind of strange when you look out on the training pitch and only see 15 guys as opposed to the normal, you know, 25 or so. Um, but but a break this late where people really do kind of take off um, and sometimes go do their own thing is is a good thing you're saying for this team right now? I think it's an absolutely incredible opportunity for this team who, you know, has struggled and needs some time to kind of look in the mirror and realize that, you know, the last thing you want to do is not look, you know, reflective come, you know, middle of October and go, oh, my God, you know, what just happened to us? As opposed to, you know, you get into September and saying, OK, we know what the goal is here. We you know, we know exactly who we're playing. We know the five games remaining. We know the implications of all, you know, five of those games and what it means to us as a team and, you know, as a player. I mean, everybody's kind of in the hot seat right now. And and God forbid if we don't do what we need to do relative to the playoffs, you know, you see your situation outside of that, those seven, you know, those seven teams in the Eastern Conference and everybody's kind of looking in the mirror and going, oh, you know, what does this mean for me kind of going forward? Um, so I think it's an absolutely wonderful, you know, situation that we have to be able to just kind of walk away from everybody and just gain some perspective on what, you know, the season means because as, you know, tipsy-turvy up and down it's been, 
um, you know, you get on the little streak right here and everybody forgets uh, every, I mean, I'm thinking about uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, you know, 2003, 2004, if I remember correctly, uh, when the Galaxy won the championship and they were absolutely atrocious during the course of the season. Next thing you know, they get on a run the first, I mean, the last four or five games and uh, and they win a championship and everybody's like, oh, they, you know, another, you know, LA Galaxy championship. But, you know, that was a team that didn't play up to its ability until the very end of the, uh, the season. So, you know, I, I still think this is um, one of those um, those situations where I think every single player uh, with this break has began and afforded a wonderful luxury. Just kind of look in the mirror and go, you know, what does this mean for me, our team uh, going forward and, uh, and what kind of opportunity presents itself? Let me throw one more in before we take a break and then we'll come back with uh, segment number two and talk about that 2001 season. Because the next two games are the way they are, Seattle and Portland, not only has the team had a nice break from uh, each other with with the training and the international break but when they do get back Steve they've almost got an immediate bonding time because when they go to Seattle they're not coming back home they're staying out there and they will essentially be together for those five days when they leave on Friday Saturday train Sunday play Monday Tuesday then play Wednesday then come back home uh, so it's almost like okay you had your break but now you're back together and you really need to figure it out yeah well you know Sometimes I feel like this is like subliminal with you and you're talking about our relationship of being away from each other for the last couple of weeks and that, you know, we're going to need to get it back together over the next week in Seattle and stuff like that. Are you are you trying to tell me something here, buddy? I, I always miss when we don't have a game over the course of a weekend. Always. Uh, all right. I just wanted to make sure that uh, you weren't using this kind of metaphor with the, the Red Bulls <laughs> being on the road and away from each other for us. But no. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I genuinely think this is a great opportunity for getting away and uh, not only, you know, literally getting away from each other over that time, but also, you know, this trip to Seattle and Portland to kind of bond and say, Hey, you know, guys, we're in this together. I know it's been a difficult, you know, we've had injuries, we've had the ups and downs, we've, you know, leaked some goals. We've done just, it's been all over the place. And now we have an opportunity to really come together after this two week break and, uh, and show kind of what we're made of. And I think that's important. Quick break for us here on Inside the Booth. We come back, we talk about the 2001 season, which coincides with the anniversary of September 11th. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. We are back here on Inside the Booth. It is our September edition. Matt Horman, Steve Jolly. We are your crew for the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. And as we uh, go into segment number two here, a quick reminder for you, you can go back and you can listen and check out our other podcast, which is our Coaches Podcast with Chris Ormus. We've got our players only. Latest edition was Tim Parker and Josh Sims. That one was also videoed, so you might be able to catch that as well. Uh, Steve, I would suggest that the the communication staff, whether it's Gordon or John or Andrew or Arpan, they probably need to video what you and I do a little bit more. Wouldn't you think that would be pretty entertaining? Well, I mean, I know people like to ridicule us for having faces for radio, but come on. I mean, I mean, you would think that at some point these guys would know what kind of hidden commodity they have with putting us on camera, right? Come on. 
You would think. You would think, without question. Uh, So as we record here, um, I I thought it would be interesting to go back and and all of the different ways to remember what was September 11th in 2001. And for you, partner, I'm going to throw this one and put you center stage because you were a member of the Metro Stars. You were in the area. And as I went back and, and tried to kind of prepare how to talk to you about this a little bit, um, I, I was remembered that the 2001 MLS season um, not only finished, but the regular season itself was shortened and the decision was made to kind of hop right into the playoffs. And the Metro Stars finished that year second in the Eastern Conference, played 26 games. And as I kind of scrolled through, what a year, weird year, number one, because as you're taking playoff teams, you had teams that played uh, different numbers of games. Some played 27, some played 26. But really, at that time, I guess it, it wasn't necessarily all that important to everybody in a way because of what had happened. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it right. I mean, after September 11th, it was hard to get any perspective on, on what we were doing relative to playing a game. Um, obviously, for, for anybody who, you know, was around that time and, and people who live in the, you know, the tri-state area. Um, it's absolutely amazing to see, you know, who was affected both uh, directly and indirectly by that horrible tragedy. Um, you know, that, that specific day and, and knowing, you know, all that, you know, my family and our neighbors and our friends and, you know, who we lost. And, uh, you know, it's still a tough, tough kind of day to remember. Um, the whole experience of, of September 11th, knowing that, uh, you know, my wife, Pilar, who, you know, really well was in the city working. Um, I was on the road to Kane college when it happened and getting to the locker room at Kane, uh, and, and seeing everything that was happening and not being able to get to my specific house because I lived right by the Lincoln tunnel. Uh, so I had to drive to Philadelphia where my family and my in-laws lived uh, for that specific time. And then, you know, when, you know, all the news kind of broke and everything was happening, losing a next door neighbor there. Um, and, uh, and then obviously also losing, one of my very close personal friends from college who was my fraternity brother and uh, some other people that were associated with the William Mary college community and, and people we knew in the area. And it was just, you know, it was a time that uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, it hit home for, for a lot of us who were associated with uh, the tri-state area. And it was kind of one of those things where, you know, you, you try to frame about what our country looks like today, as opposed to, to what it was, you know, September 10th. And it just seems like a, a completely different place. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it was a tough day. It was, it was a worrisome day. Um, obviously, you know, not being able to get back into the city, uh, and, and get back to my home and wondering and worrying about Pilar and, you know, hearing about friends who were lost in the towers. It was all sometimes just a little too much when you think about it. Well, then you think of it after that takes place and the league kind of goes on hiatus for the span of, of a little bit more than a week, probably 10 days. The decision is made from the league and Don Garber, the commissioner, to shorten the regular season and go right into the playoffs. What was what was the, if you can remember, what was the thought process if you were a player back then? Like all of a sudden you're, you're smack dab in the middle towards the, the end part of the regular season this happens, and then it's okay. You guys are going to have to change gears and go right into the playoffs. Well, you know, and I would add that if you know, if I remember correctly, there was also that American Norte tournament that was literally day. Like we were literally supposed to fly days after that to like Colombia, and uh, and so there was a lot of issues associated with that and flying, and then the security associated with the team when we got there. 
uh, invoked. Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty crazy, um, and that's the reason why. You know, when I look back, and I know there's been some 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 time away from from that specific fall in uh, 18 years, and uh, and it's hard to even remember, quite frankly, uh, anything after that date. You know, in terms of just what was happening relative to soccer, I know there was. You know, they tried to do a couple things associated with, um, you know, supporting first responders. You know, their giant stadium, but um, you know, you, you, you pretty much maybe maybe I'm, I'm speaking on more personal terms in terms of just how I was affected personally and losing a friend and being in the city a good majority of the time, you know, and help with, you know, the search side, but also on the, you know, the funerals and everything like that, that, you know what, I mean, it really kind of put in perspective, you know, that was all kind of just a game for me. And I know that that was, at least for me, a little bit of escapism in terms of being at practice and being a, among my teammates. But uh, I mean, it was, I think I had a logical excuse there. I, it was hard to focus on anything other than, you know, what that uh, event was and what it represented and the, and the consequences of it. So if I asked you, Steve, and I know it's it's never easy to talk about, but if I asked you, do you remember the playoffs that year? And you and I didn't talk about this. I didn't really prep you that this is what was going to be our second segment because I wanted to try and get that this this kind of flavor to it. Do you remember the playoffs that year? No. So no, I, I remember nothing. So if I told you that you played the LA Galaxy and you wound up losing in in overtime, you that that doesn't really strike a chord. Um, it, it was that the one where we like we won at the Galaxy. I mean, we had an opportunity to go to the Galaxy and get to the finals, and all. I just well, here's here's the series. This it was the quarterfinals. It was back when Major League Soccer had twelve teams in it, and they took eight teams. It was the East, the Central, and the West, um, and and Red Bull that year. I'm sorry, Metro Stars that year uh, was the sixth seed. They played the LA Galaxy, who would wound up losing to the Earthquakes in the 2001 MLS Cup. You played at the Rose Bowl September 23rd, a 1-1 draw. You came back home and played the first game at Giant Stadium since the attack. That was a 4-1 win. You would lose 3-2 on the road on the 29th, and then in overtime, uh, you would wind up losing the series overall. Do you remember playing on the 26th, uh, that first game back at home? Not much of it. I do, if I remember correctly, and that's like I think Mike got injured at the, the final game, Pecky, and, uh, and couldn't play. So there were some changes that we had to make that was a little bit, you know, not something that we we're kind of used to. That kind of affected a little bit, but um, yeah, not much. You know, whether it's old age or the amount of concussions or just, uh, you know, I don't really remember much from that, uh, that, that end of the season. So when you think back to that and, and having it be a moment where you're playing in the playoffs and it, and it was a fantastic series between just going back and reading about it between the Metro Stars and the Galaxy to not really remember it, that to me does kind of show that, I mean, listen, there were, there were in this particular case things that were much more important, uh, which I know might sound crazy to someone who played professional soccer for as long as he did, but there were things that were more important than whether or not, I guess, you advance in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it was, listen, I mean, that galaxy team, I played for three years previous to that too. So, I mean, you can obviously understand the personal implications of, of playing my old team and, you know, at the time, Siggy Smith, you know, in terms of trading me and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, it would be easy, you know, if September 11th didn't happen to remember that type of series and that type of game. But, uh, you know, for me, you know, I think there's a reason why 
<laughs> I don't remember it, and it had a lot to do with uh, what was happening in our world and in our country, you know, outside of soccer at that time. So, and it became a a little bit of a moment for you to make your mark off the field as well. As I sometimes tease you from time to time, I'll introduce uh, when we come on the air as the the former MLS Humanitarian of the Year, but that was an, an award that you won in 2002 based on um, some of the things that you did after 2001. And I know probably to this day, and and you are a humble guy, and I know that about you, but that has to be something that still does stand out, winning that award and having such a connection uh, to some of the work that both you and Polar did. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I genuinely believe whether it be, you know, I, there's a lot of, I don't, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I, I, my general philosophy in life, I think more than anything else is that it's an amazing what kind of influence you can have in a person's life by simply showing you care. And it's a little frustrating now that uh, some of the players have the platform that they do with major league soccer, that they're not more actively engaged in, in community work. There will always be, you know, the, the Robuses and the Tim Parkers who are, you know, and some other players that, uh, you know, just, I'm just naming a few that are engaged, but, um, you know, I tend to look at it as this way. We, we when September 11th happened, um, and I'll tell you a short story of my next door neighbor. My next door neighbor and his um, and his wife um, really struggled to have children for a long, long time, long time. Um, and well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> they just struggled for a long, long time. Okay. They 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 did have a child, and uh, and he decided to stay away from the job. For, for almost a year and his first day back was September 11th and working as a construction worker uh, on the trade towers. So um, we had to do something for that family. And, uh, and so what we did was we, we, we knew that we had a sense a soccer community that was and always been, you know, actively engaged in supporting people. And, uh, and we called on it and we were able to, knowing that when it all settled that, you know, they were going to be taken care of, but, you know, they had bills to pay. Um, and we were able to raise, you know, a significant amount of money. And it was awkward at times because this was pre, you know, our foundation and it was cash. And I remember walking, you know, next door and just literally almost on a weekly basis and just handing her just cash and saying, you know, take care of your child, take care of bills, take care. Everything will be work itself out. Obviously, you know, from that, we, we realized that with the soccer community being what it was, that we should probably create a foundation that might help people in other capacities. And we focused on a little bit of, you know, on things that were important to us. My wife has a master's degree in early childhood education. Uh, children's literacy became a big cause for us. So then we started our foundation, uh, of which that success of the foundation was the reason why the next year we got um, were able to do, uh, I, was, I won the, at least the league award. Uh, MLS humanitarian, and I still remember Mr. Anschutz, Phil Anschutz, who, you know, I have a lot of respect for, coming up to me after that uh, and said, "Listen, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you know, being an MLS All Star and all that kind of stuff, that that'll mean something to you, but it won't mean anything compared to doing what you're doing relative to our work with the the foundation and beyond." So, you know, that that day and that award will will always be something special for for me and my family. Um, but it was the, the, the root cause of, of, of creating that foundation was solely based on the idea that I need to be a little bit more actively engaged in the, my community as much as I was beforehand, but going forward to make sure that, you know, I think, you know, it goes back to that original principle that, uh, 
you know, and I see it every single day now that players become a little bit more actively engaged in their communities that, you know, it's an amazing kind of impact that professional athletes can have if they just simply just get up and be engaged and be involved in their communities. And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, when you talk about maturation and you talk about, you know, young guys who are in their twenties, um, it really kind of weighs on you in terms of, you know, what's the big picture here. I like that. Uh, I shouldn't even say I like. I love that as I'm in one place and you're in another and you and we're recording this um, remotely and, and, and back and forth, I can still hear 18 years later the emotion in your voice and it's still difficult to talk about. And I think there is such a lesson there to think um, as younger players come up and, and, and listen, I, I those that might know or not know, I work as a college professor, so we talked about it today in one of my classes. We'll talk about it in another class. Um, there are so many things to learn in terms of just, and I, I, I like how you said it, being mature and accepting a responsibility for what your role is in society and your community. Um, and, and I know it's not easy for you to talk about, and I appreciate you kind of laying it out there for us the last, uh, the last few minutes. Um, w- let's finish up with this. Um, Five games remaining for this New York Red Bull team, um, three of which on the road, Seattle, Portland, Montreal, home games against D.C. and Philadelphia. Points certainly there. There are 15 points out there to be had in the uh, five games remaining, 12, 12, and 5 for this New York Red Bull team. Uh, Steve, you still feel like, and we're going to finish with this, and and you mentioned it earlier, but I'll let you kind of get back to soccer here to wrap things up. You feel like this team still has the opportunity to get a playoff spot and host a playoff game in the opening round. No, I do. I think we're going to get nine, at least nine points out of the remaining five games, and I think that will push us over that fifty-point barrier, and that will afford us, I think, uh, an opportunity to be in there in the, the top four spots. Um, you know, it's not going to be easy to get, you know, nine points, but uh, I think it's there. Uh, the combination of which, you know, doesn't mean that we're going to get, you know, three out of the next two road games, and then the home games or at Montreal. I don't really know, but I. It seems to me that you know that that roughly nine ten points is going to be the deal breaker for us to get that home home field advantage. Well, I appreciate you uh, uh, talking about two thousand and one and that September eleventh uh, situation. As always, it's a pleasure to record this with you and, and be part of um, our Red Bull Radio crew. This has been our September edition of Inside the Booth. You can join Steve and I this coming Sunday. We will be in Seattle. We'll have our pregame show an hour prior to kickoff. Don't forget that game time is moved. It will now kick off at uh, three, no, six o'clock on the East Coast, three o'clock locally back on Seattle. That's a three-hour difference from what it was originally put on. Don't forget to leave us a rating review. Throw a comment our way. You can always interact with us back and forth on Twitter. Partner, enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you this weekend in the great Northwest. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. This has been Inside the Booth. Thanks, as always, for listening. Matt Harmon, Steve Jolly. We sign off. We'll see you in Seattle.